Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, super smart, and water attraction loving wife, Michelle. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So good to have you so with sweet. us. We are recording this episode on Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. We've made it to August, everybody. Wow. Can you believe it? Jeez, these months are just are flashing. They, are they really? <laughs> yeah, they are. I think we've talked about this before. They they go fast, you know, when you count the date, when you look at the date, but when you think back how long we've had a, a whole new world, it feels like a long time. I don't know. This feels like a very long year to <laughs> me. It seems like I just look back to when we were actually on the cruise and that just seems like so long ago now. Yeah. I know it was only a few months ago, but right. it seems like it was so long ago, but... Anyway, we're moving through. We're in August. We made it this far. We can make it through the rest of this year. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... Sign up for the newsletter. Yes, please sign up for the newsletter. It's just a way to kind of be more involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. We kind of put everything out there that we've done episode wise we have our disney dishes recipe of the week and this week we are going to start with our nominations for our hyperion adventures disney hall of fame the first category for nominations is going to come out this week and if you're subscribing to the newsletter you will be the first to receive that nomination to give your chance to uh, put your input into the this year's Hall of Fame. Right. You do a great job with the newsletter, and it really does give people the opportunity to be in the know first and, you know, to have, like you said, a way to share some of our material as well. Yeah. So uh, be sure to sign up for the newsletter when you get the chance. It's just, like I said, a way to kind of be much more in the Hyperion Adventures No. And we protect that email. We don't share it with anybody. Yeah, we don't share it with anybody at all. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We're very active on social media with a lot of our Disney community friends. We have a lot of us. We'll put out some cool stuff this week you might want to check out. But please follow us. We're on Twitter, at Hyperion Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, you can always email us at our Gmail account, HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. Right. We love to hear from you. Love to get feedback and uh, questions, ideas, suggestions. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Yes, please. We, we love hearing all of you out there, all our Hyperion Adventures. We also do have a YouTube channel. Yes, you can see these episodes most of the time. <laughs> We do put them out there, the video of these recordings as well. And let me tell you, last week's, if you listen to last week's episode when with Dillo's Diz, yeah. uh, you want to check out the video for it because the video just, it kind of plays up the whole storyline that much better. <laughs> the humor, the fun that we had involved with Michelle's little game that we played, it uh, really comes across in the video. So please check that out. Well, thank you. And again, thanks to both Jen and Frank. They were wonderful guests to have on. They were you know, definitely full of joy, and it it was so fun with them participating. Yeah, we had a great time uh, participating with them. By the way, they are putting together a team along with the Monday Morning Monorail podcast 
for the virtual Broadway run. Um, we don't have all the details on that yet, but we're going to start showing that. You see, should start seeing it popping up on social media everywhere. We're going to be taking part in having people try and donate into that as well. It helps uh, people fighting against AIDS and COVID-19 for right. that matter. But um, uh, please uh, check that out and donate if you get a chance because uh, it really is great. And take part because, hey, right. why, not, why not get out there? You know, you can do the, the uh, 5K, have a little fun with it. Right. You don't need to run it if you don't want to. You can take it at your own pace. You can do it whenever you want. You can do it on your treadmill if you don't want to go outside, whatever you want to do. Right. Last year we did it. And mm-hmm. Wow. I was really impressed with that medal too. Yeah. It's beautiful. Really cool medal. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll have more details with that coming up uh, through the through this month. I think it, it takes place. You can run it through the end of the month, but um, we'll get more details to you as, about that as they arrive. Right. Yes. For the bling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so for today's episode, lots of stuff for you today, including... We have the announcement of the of a new Disney and Pixar film. That's right. This should be interesting. And Emmy nominations are out. And Disney, well, they've done pretty well. Uh, we'll let you know how many sh- of the shows that uh, Disney has put out there that are up for the possible big-time television award. Right. That's exciting. It's great. Yeah. But let's get to our main topic of the week. Yes, our main topic this week, we decided it's summertime. It's pretty warm everywhere, pretty hot everywhere. Why don't we cool off a little bit by looking at the Disney water-based attractions? And Michelle is going to lead the way on this, so I get to kick back and relax (laughs) uh, because she's doing the deep dive, and I'm just going to kind of enjoy the thing and comment wherever I can. But Michelle really always has the best info on these kind of things. I think we're going to look back historically at uh, some of these as well as what's out there right now. So, uh, but I don't know how Michelle put this together. So let's, I'm going to be enjoying this along with you. So let's go ahead and hear what Michelle has to (laughs) offer about a deep dive into Disney water-based attractions. Well, thank you. And so try not to make this a history lesson or anything, but just get some fun facts and, and things about these rides so that when you do participate on them, you get a little bit more appreciation for, you know, either how they were developed or some fun things about them that you can look forward to. Uh, So I actually kind of did like mainly five, deep dive on five. Um, (laughs) We are the show of five. (laughs) That's right. And this time it was five, 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 although there's, right, there's a lot of others that we, you know, we'll touch on. I mainly focused on, on attractions, water attractions that were at multiple parks. So that's kind of like how this started and, you know, kind of expanded from there. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. So I'll originally, first I'll start with kind of what the OG of each of those attractions were, some of the the things that uh, maybe made it more historical about it, and then talk about some of the variations that you could see around the globe with those. Nice. So let's start with Jungle Cruise. Oh, I've heard of that. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! So um, anyways, it was the Imagineer Harper Goff who really uh, did a lot on this. He took his inspiration from the African Queen film. And so that's why it has kind of that flavor of, you know, one, it's a river cruise, but kind of like the jungle and, you know, you know, an far off place kind of kind of atmosphere. Right. So um, 
this this ride was one of the OG rides when the park opened in 1955, um, and it initially was kind of like the flavor of um, a documentary, kind of educational mm-hmm. was the feel. And it didn't really turn into a more, um, you know, spiel and comic <laughs> until a few few years later. But originally, it was kind of like taking from the True Life Adventures also. Yeah, kind of like the Kilimanjaro Safaris without the real animals. Right, <laughs> right. right. <Yeah. laughs> so um, the color of the water and the clarity is really controlled by Disney. And that's really just to kind of hide mechanics mm-hmm. of the actual ride underneath the water. Um, and it was like in 2013 that they first did a holiday overlay of Jingle Cruise. Um, and so that was kind of a fun addition that they had on a seasonal uh, method. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fun facts. And this one I'm going to lead in. I'm going to let you talk about it because it has to do with the issue of the the trees and mm-hmm. how to make it look like a unique place that people may not have normally been to. Right. So when we were talking about opening of Disneyland in 1955, they had only a year and a limited budget to put the entire park together. And so they were trying to figure out how to fill in all this foliage uh, around this was supposed to be a very lush jungle type uh, atmosphere uh, throughout the jungle cruise obviously jungle cruise <laughs> they wanted to look like a jungle and you know they tried to get as many plants as they could in there to try and fill it out but they you know they ran into some problems but they realized where Disneyland was being built happened to in the past just be a, a bunch of orange groves right. it's an orange county which yes there's an orange county in Florida <laughs> but there's also an orange county in Southern California and uh, they, it's named Orange County because of all these orange groves that were there so what they ended up doing and in uh, supposedly these there's a couple of them still around is they took these orange trees turned them upside down and they looked pretty exotic right. when they are upside <laughs> down they look like something that could be in the jungle and they kept them that way and so that's how they kind of filled in some of the foliage. Now, we've heard that they still exist. There's a couple of them still out there. If you ride the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, we've never, no one's ever been able to tell us exactly where you can right. find or them or sure. pinpoint yeah. them or if this even is really the truth or just right. a tall tale. Uh, but that is the legend going in. Well, they definitely did do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether or not they're still there, yes, is, is still somewhat of a legend. But interestingly, in 2010, after being you know, in that environment for 55 years, it was actually determined that it had developed its own ecosystem there in the Jungle Cruise. And so, you know, it was kind of really decided that. And so landscapers, you know, they do kind of trim things. They they don't want uh, some of the foliage to be covering some of the animals or interfering with some of the mechanics. But for the most part, they just let that environment take care of itself. So thought that was kind of interesting that Disney actually created an ecosystem, an enduring ecosystem within that park. So it's also, that was- it's also interesting because obviously we've, if you're talking about Florida, building something that's called the Jungle Cruise right. in Florida, <laughs> it's a much more tropical climate. You're more likely to find some more type of jungle it's easier to grow jungle jungle type plants. If you know Southern California at all, really, if it weren't for the ocean being nearby us and the cold uh, current that comes down from Alaska to us, 
Uh, we might as well be Arizona. It really is a <laughs> right. desert type climate out here, but we get it very, it's very temperate because of the fact that the ocean water is so cold here. But it makes it much more difficult to actually form a jungle within right. what is a Southern California, Arizona like desert. So, right. You know, yeah. it, so they had their difficulties at first, but obviously it's, it's lush and right. thriving well, uh, over the 65 years that it's been in existence. Right. So what they had found is like um, the big trees with the canopy kind of uh, method of growing has really it it helps protect due to weather changes so whether it's cold or really excessive hot heat um, then it really helps maintain the the temperature more even and you know again just really helping it sustain itself yeah very good yeah good points so that's that's you know some of the interesting things about the one at uh, Disneyland, the OG. Uh, at Walt Disney World, it's very similar. You know, you you get a lot of the same kind of scenes and flavors and stuff like that. But one of the interesting things is that there is a, a downed Lockheed airplane there, and that actually came from the great movie ride in the Casablanca scene. Uh-huh. So it's kind of if you check that out, it's kind of fun that 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 got relocated and. Uh, what is it? Reimagined for yeah. another, another. I didn't well, knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I, I just thought it was going to be me that knocked it down, though. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's ain't it now. <laughs> All right. So, um, anyways, as I mentioned, the one at uh, Walt Disney World is very similar to the OG one. There is a, a little bit of an expanded area. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, a, a cave. Uh, temple area that you go into that's not in the original one but um, they both are really great to experience oh yeah i mean it's to me it's one of the must-do attractions uh whenever you visit disneyland or uh magic kingdom uh just because it's just fun it's just old it's old school disney for one thing it's an original attraction was their opening day at disneyland um and you know i mean it's just you know, I know the jokes are corny, and you've probably heard most of them a hundred times. Every once in a while, you get a new joke; it's great. But right. but they're just fun. It's corn. It's all about the the cornball humor right. and just having a good time. And that's actually a pretty you know, considering it's he's hot out it and it's a jungle. You know, it's it's because of the growth that you were talking about. It can be kind of a cooling ride to just sit down, and relax, right. and enjoy. You know, fifteen minutes or so of your day, and and just be there on the water. Right, and in the evening, you get a different perspective mm-hmm. of it too. So that's, that's kind point. of fun as well so they also have a jungle cruise at tokyo disneyland and i bet you can't guess what one of the major differences is i can't because i don't know i don't know anything about that one the boats go counterclockwise rather than clockwise i'd be very confused by that where where are we going (laughs) where's where's schweitzer fall that can't be this direction we're gonna be on the front side of water not the back side of water you still go to the back side of water (laughs) i know i know um the other thing though is like uh the theming of the station you know when you first enter uh, it has more of a feel of like an upscale African city um, because part of it is that it does uh, share a building where the railroad comes through. So rather than being like an outpost of its own, it, they, they did make the theming a little bit different at the entrance part of it. But otherwise, again, it's very similar into um, the ride. There is, though, another difference, um, actually a couple other ones, is one, there is a soundtrack that plays as, mm. as you go through with some music. And the other thing is there is a spirit animal 
guardian and there's some interactions with within the ride with the skipper and everything um you know and has some cool special effects in the cave there and so that is an, a different part that they have at the tokyo disneyland that we don't see at the ones in the united states gotcha that's interesting yeah maybe someday we'll get to experience it ourselves <laughs> we can only hope i know i know and the other park that has a jungle cruise is hong kong yeah. Now, um, one of the things I forgot to mention about Tokyo, it is in Japanese uh, for that ride. But in Hong Kong, you enter the building and you choose a queue based on which language. And they have like three languages that you can select from uh, to have mm-hmm. your your ride with your language preference. We've experienced that at Disneyland Paris. Right. Uh, there are different shows and different attractions that uh, they'll give you times in and uh, places in the queue where you'll be in English, it'll be French, it'll be right. um, whatever other, there's a couple other languages they use as well there. Right, um, so. right. So that's that's kind of a nice feature that then you can be able to, if you want to hear it in English, you can do that. Um, now, the other thing in Hong Kong is they do have a battle scene that we don't experience at any of the others, and it's between two gods. It's the god of fire and god of water. Mm. So that's a kind of a fun, unique experience that people can have when they go to Hong Kong. And I think one of the things going through and preparing for this is Hong Kong really has a lot of um, technology, higher technology elements to their attractions. And so I think that's how they they play it into this one is having that. And I don't want to give away any spoilers. Mm, Interesting. Very cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So the, the the other thing I wanted to mention about the Jungle Cruise and doing research is I'm seeing some rumors or some talk about the the rides being reimagined in their theme to link more with the um, movie that's going to be coming out. It's supposed to have been out this summer, but yes. I know. I know. So with uh, my alum... University of Miami pal there, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, right, is has been um, had been putting out some tweets in the past that you know it that it could be interpreted that he's also being involved in helping with some of those ideas and imagineering for redesigning it. So I don't have I didn't see anything confirming this. Uh, it might be out there. I just didn't see it, but it was interesting that they are looking to see. Should they do some reimagining of the, this ride throughout the globe? I think there's always going to be speculation, especially when they added, uh, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow into right. the Pirates of the Caribbean, that if there's a successful film sure. uh, tied in with the Jungle Cruise, that maybe they might want to uh, work in some of those. Um, personally, I hope they keep it just as it is. I love it just as it is. But if they were to end up working some of these characters in, I, you know, I'd have to wait and see. But I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Right, just, right. I mean, hopefully the movie's successful and we like it. It looks like it'll be great. So. Right. I mean, I think there would be still some um, bases. I mean, considering that the original uh, Jungle Cruise was based on the African mm-hmm. Queen and this movie has some of those elements as well. Right. You know, kind of some of the, you know, well, with the relationship, but just some of the scenery and everything. So there might be some upgrades and, and changes. I just don't know if it's going to be a complete new revision to this yeah we'll see i mean i hope i i mean again i like it just as it is i hope it stays the same i don't think that adding captain sparrow um ruined pirates of the caribbean right i know personally i know there's other people who think differently on that um but it it wasn't that way to me Uh, i guess it just depends on how much if they were to add different characters into the jungle cruise how much that would change the attraction itself i wanted to stay mostly the same pirates of the caribbean stayed mostly the same 
just had Jack Sparrow right. in a different series. Right, yeah. exactly. So, um, so the next, unless you have anything else about Jungle Cruise no, you want to mention. this is your show. Uh, Take it away. <laughs> Thank you. So the next uh, attraction that is water-based is that I want to talk about is Small World. Oh, and again. Your favorite. Yes. The OG obviously is at Disneyland, although it was first created for uh, the 1964 World's Fair mm-hmm. in New York. And, um, you know, so I've kind of covered a lot of things there. I don't want to replicate anything. Uh, It was an attraction that was built in 11 months. And partly that was because um, Pepsi, who was a sponsor, couldn't come up with a design. Like their board of directors just couldn't come up with something, you know, that they would, you know, solidify. And so one of the wives got involved and, you know, really tied in, said, look, Walt Disney's doing other ones and he's, you know, really successful in the industry. So, you know, let's tap his, his skills. So they did. And 11 months later, they, they had the attraction, um, and they really had to bring in some of the, the, you know, the real legends that we Mm -hmm. hear about in Disney Imagineering, obviously Mary Blair, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the designing, um, then Mark Davis was also involved in some of the scenes. And interestingly, his wife was one of the ones that was helping with the costuming of the dolls. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. And then uh, Raleigh Crump uh, designed the, you know, some of the auxiliary things, the toys and other things mm-hmm. that are around, scattered around into the way. So I thought, wow, those are some really big names to pull together, uh, you know, th- this uh this attraction. So. Yeah, well, when they were building these attractions, I mean, they really did have the dream team of Imagineers going through when they got to the 1964 World's Fair and throughout that that, that period. Right. And most of the the biggest attractions that you can think of were created around that time, and they had some amazing people right. thinking them up. So, right. for sure. Um, the other interesting fact about this is that it was created actually in Burbank at mm-hmm. Wed Enterprises and transferred over to New York and then brought back. So thought that was kind of cool. Um, but one of the really unique p- components of this has to do with the actual boat system, you know, and it uh, really influenced another attraction we're going to talk about a little bit later in regards to Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we'll talk about that later. So obviously, we've seen Small World appear in most every other park that opened around the globe. As I mentioned, we've been to three out of the five around Mm -hmm. the world, and we do see variations in all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, like, for example, in um, Hong Kong, there's an expanded Asian portion of it. So um, they include the Philippines, Korea, uh, and Hong Kong in that. In Disneyland Paris, they have an expanded Middle Eastern section, and they also have the children singing uh, in Arabic and Hebrew. Oh, so that's cool. you know unique to Disneyland Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, the other thing that was unique in Disneyland Paris is that final scene that you go through is it's actually being played in three different languages. English, French, and German. Ah, well, so. I mean, those are the big ones that hit up that, that when you go there. I mean, I, I do believe that if you go there, that you can find uh, some shows in uh, Japanese and maybe some uh, right. some of the uh, Chinese languages, Mandarin and right, such. Right. Um, but 
but uh, mostly that they, I think the language is a hit, definitely English, because they get a lot of uh, visitors from over Great Britain and, uh, of course, French, because they're in the middle of France. Right, right. Uh, and Germany, because uh, Germany's right right there on the border as well. And they, yeah. They get a lot of visitors for, from Germany as well. Exactly. So, I mean, if, if you're in it, and I, I don't know if you remember it from it uh, when we were there, that your ear just tends to pick up what you're focusing on because like sometimes I would focus on French and sometimes I would focus on English yeah I just focus on English <laughs> she speaks the French in the household <laughs> but anyways um, I just know bonjour <laughs> that's very important the bonjour effect um, but anyways the other thing about Disneyland Paris is is the scenery the dolls are that you know that are used are the same but the scenery does have a little different styling to it it's not specifically the Mary Blair styling. Um, I, I, I don't think if you're, you know, most visitors going through, you're going to notice that. Mm -hmm. But if you know that and you look at it, then you can tell, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, you know, that was one of the features that they did differently at Disneyland Paris is kind of, you know, go with slightly, I, I don't know how to describe it specifically, but when I read that and, and re-looked at, uh, you know, the ride, I thought, yeah, that is true. Yeah. It's not exactly the Mary Blair look yeah, to it. Because so, her style is very, very unique. Look forward to going back again and, uh, and taking a look and finding out, um, you know, realizing the differences more. Right. I think I noticed them the first time we went through. Maybe I did. I just forgotten. It's been a few years. Since sure, been there, sure. But, yeah. You know, and like I said, you know, when you go through it, it's not the exact same ride, but it, it has that essence. So. Um, and the other thing that's been happening with the uh, small world attractions throughout the world is adding in characters that we've seen in animated films. And um, even in some countries, they've included ones that we haven't seen, which like Moana. And um, yeah, Moana hasn't been in Disneyland yet. Not yet. Right, right. And Frozen. Uh, so, oh. I know. <laughs> well, you know, hashtag real men love frozen. Go check that out for sure. So, um, but right now, um, Walt Disney World hasn't included that. And, but it wouldn't shock me if that starts to happen. Um, and Walt Disney World, Small World, is the only one on the globe that has not incorporated a holiday overlay. Mm. So the others all have implemented that. Yeah, which uh, the holiday overlay is fantastic. They kind of uh, implement various Christmas carols, mostly Jingle Bells. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, within, and Deck the Halls. Yeah, and Deck the Halls within, uh, throughout. And of course, still, uh, It's a Small World. You know, the song itself is also right. interlaced within it. But uh, just, a, you know, it's really a, a interesting show. And, uh, you know, adding the characters... Uh, to Disneyland's version of It's a Small World was a big deal. I mean, mm -hmm. I think if you go watch the Imagineering story, uh, you'll see that brought up, as a matter of fact, that, that there were some people who were really up in arms of the fact that right. they put these characters in. But if you go ride that attraction at Disneyland with a very young person who is not experienced before, we've seen it many times where they're like, oh, look, it's it's Alice in right. Wonderland. Oh, oh, there's Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. They get really, really excited about seeing these characters. So, you know, you, obviously... Um, take it for what you want, uh, the throwback of it, of being, you know, the nostalgia of it being the way it always was. But the kids really love it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And we've seen that, actually seen it when we were on one of the, the cruises. And a little kid was just going 
nuts yeah. over seeing these different characters and pointing them out to his mom. And it was adorable. And I, I know that's one of one of the most memorable right. times that we've been on it. And, it, you know, it was great to see that excitement in him, in that little kid. And so, yeah, it, it again, it's something that they can relate to. Uh, you know, yeah, the dolls are cute and everything, but this adds another element, another depth to that experience. Yeah, I know there's going to be people that always are against IP being put in these attractions mm-hmm. and whatever the case may be. But when you witness that kind of experience, um, to me, it, it, it proves why in not every case, right. but in many cases, why it's okay uh, to sprinkle a little bit of IP here and there because right. the kids just, they light up for it. And this is, you know, as much as we love it as adults, um, this is really all about the kids. To yeah. Me, you yeah. Know? It really is. And it does, it, it will, you know, how many times have we been on It's a Small World, but we'll always remember, right. you know, those times when the exactly. kids behind us are just lighting up and then you know, picking out all these characters right. and really just having the best time for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So. All right. Any other thoughts about Small World? No, I, th- I think you covered it pretty well. The flat bottom boat thing, I know you're going to get into in a little yes. bit, but that was the, a big technological development right. uh, for attractions that uh, were picked up by other parks as well. But uh, I know you're going to get more into that in a little bit, so I'll sure. let you uh, lead into oh. that as you go along. Thank you. So our next journey will be on the river cruises. So, um, obviously, again, the OG started at Disneyland. It was there during opening. Uh, it The actual boat is called the Mark Twain. Right, the river boat, right. Right, right. And so that takes uh, passengers onto the rivers of America. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, it had its maiden voyage four days before the park opened, which was Walt and Lillian Disney's 30th anniversary, and they had uh, about 300 invited guests to uh, come to the park before it opened and experience. And they went on the river cruise uh, and then they, they went to have dinner later on. But I thought that was kind of a neat maiden voyage for, you know, for this, uh, for this ship. So um, the other interesting thing, fun fact is when the park first opened and had that, they did not establish what is going to be the maximum number of passengers and so after a few days of being open there was kind of a uh, an overzealous cast member who was just waving everybody on and um they're estimating that was like 500 people on it and it got stuck in the mud (laughs) (laughs) so after that and has continued since then uh the maximum is 300 people on that and that has prevented further (laughs) It's very rare that you see the Mark Twain full. I mean, usually you can get on and it's not really much of a problem. Right, but right. we've been there for some of the ticketed events mm-hmm. uh, that they have in the evenings. And a lot of times they'll be having a band playing right. on board. And uh, the, then the, they're always stopping people because it'll always fill up for those. Right. Things, yeah. Exactly. Good point. Which was segue, nice segue into my next section, which is, you know, uh, about the evening events. Now there is already out there of uh, archival video called Disneyland after dark. Mm-hmm. And it shows, um, Louis Armstrong wow. was a performer on there. Heard but, of him. Yes. <laughs> Man's got talent. Yes. Uh, so he was, he, you know, he was uh, invited to perform on there and, and they did, um, you know, a, a film of that, uh, which was really exciting. But like you mentioned in the currently now when they do the Disneyland after dark ticketed events, they typically have a band 
perform on there. And it really is really adds to the element of the excitement of the evening. It does get people to go on that, that they typically don't, but it's also fun to get in on there and dance. And, you know, they, they do a great job with theming of the music based on what the actual event is, you know, is covering. So, uh, it, it's just fun. I mean, it mm-hmm. makes it that much more fun. And again, seeing it, that ride in the evening is a different experience than in the daytime. Yeah, uh, definitely. Especially going, going around the rivers of America and uh, seeing the different areas light up, and it's just it's just fun. I like going during the day. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a it's a walk on attraction, and you can find a spot sometimes to sit down in the shade, right. and it's just a nice little steady light cruise around like i said the rivers of america checking things out right and all around the different sides of tom sawyer's island and uh, it's just it's uh, it's just nice and it's again an opening day disneyland attraction right right yeah. so i mean yeah i don't know about you but when i think about it i think it's quaint yeah you know it's a quaint attraction but in addition to being an attraction it plays a starring role in fantastic as well so it has yeah. a dual purpose That's there right. So, um, but as a better a, version of Fantastic. That's by true. The way. Yeah, Fantastic uh, was reimagined. What about three years ago? It was when we were because it opened up. We got to go to the uh, the soft opening of it from two thousand uh, D twenty three Expo two thousand seventeen. Mm. So it was the summer of two thousand seventeen. Right, right. That's when they reimagined it. That's right. Yeah. Right. So good, good memory. Yeah. So uh, now looking at the same, you know, river, river cruise at at other parks. So obviously Walt Disney World also had the river cruise when they opened as well. Uh, Their their ship is called the Liberty Bell, Mm -hmm. B-E-L-L-E. And so um, that also goes down the rivers of America. And it it has a lot of very um, similar pathways and kind of the essence is very much the same, although there are other attractions in the area at Walt Disney World that you get to see, a, you know, right. a different side the of them. It's a little different. Right, yeah. right. But, you know, and it's it's like three minutes longer than mm-hmm. the one at uh, Disneyland. You know, I don't think I've ever ridden the one at Walt Disney World. Oh, wow. Done the Disneyland one numerous times, but I've never r- ridden it at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Um, that The one at Walt Disney World, I love personally love doing it early in the morning before it gets really crowded. You can get some real picturesque um, areas to, to capture and... It's just very calming before the, like I said, before the hustle and bustle and mm-hmm. all the crowds come in. It's like you kind of have the park sort of to yourself because it's not, even at Rope Drop, it's not an area that a lot of people rush to go on, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> right. a river cruise. So it's really kind of fun to do that, you know, uh, early in the morning, at least for myself. And yeah. it's one of the one, the attractions that I have so many pictures <laughs> of because <laughs> I just love some of the scenery and uh, around there and just, it's, it's really beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. So um, some interesting elements that I uh, found in this is they actually had a, another uh, one of their ships. It was called um, the Admiral Fowler, and that was there on opening day. However, uh, it was in going to dry dock, and the crane dropped it. No. Oh. And it destroyed it. Whoops. <laughs> I know, I know. Oops. 
So <laughs> um, they, they couldn't, they decided or whatever not to reuse that or rebuild it. However, they did take the engine mechanics of it and sent it over to Tokyo Disneyland for their river cruise. Wow. So a little bit of, uh, you know, that history traveled over to another uh, park. They could save, <laughs> yes. save from it. So the Admiral Fowler still exists a little bit somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Now, at Disneyland Paris, they also have a river cruise. Uh, it's called Thunder Mesa Riverboat. And again, it's um, also called the Mark Twain, similar to the OG. And um, But they have a second riverboat, and it's it has a side wheeler. It's, mm. you know, on mm. that one. Mm-hmm. And that one is called the Molly Brown. Oh. You know, uh, the, one the of the survivors unsinkable right, Molly Brown, yeah. from uh, the, the Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. So they do have uh, the two of them there. Uh, and again, similar type of t- style of, of attraction that you go through, but some of the landscape does have some different elements in it. But, you know, they all share a lot of the common themes. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Right. Uh, in Disneyland, to- in Tokyo Disneyland, they have a riverboat, also named Mark Twain. So <laughs> other than Walt Disney World, they kind of kept that. Um, it is one deck shorter than the other ones, um, but it also has, as in all the other ones around the globe, the same essence of what, what you're traveling through and the kind of the, you know, um, Old West, I guess, mm. kind of essence to yeah. it. So, you know, but- cruising down the Mississippi River. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. Um, you know, and again, uh, it was the one in Disneyland, not only was it, you know, there at the opening day, um, but it was the first paddle wheel that was built in the country for 55 years. Mm, that's so, a good, wow. That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. so, it, you know, it was... And you can see much of it being built in that, uh, what was that, the Disneyland pre... Right. Uh, pre-opening, whatever it is, the new thing that's on Disney+, Plus, Plus. which we watched the other day, right, came out right as the Disneyland's 65th birthday hit. Right. Um, but it was like the pre-opening, you know, check-in to Disneyland. Right. And you could see a lot of it being built. Right, you know? right, right there in Burbank, so... Right. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned with uh, Small World and Jungle Cruise, you can go on these attractions and still have different experiences, mm-hmm. even though some of the essence and some of the sceneries might be identical. They they each have their own unique flavor to mm-hmm. them. So Definitely. Cool. Yeah. All right. So on to River Rapids Ooh, now. Ooh, the rapids. The, the rough, rapids. <laughs> the rough and tumble. So the OG of this one, though, was built at Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. So that, that opened first and was one of the first ones to open in 1999, uh, the Kali River Rapids mm-hmm. and Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom. So um, some of the differences um, that in looking at these different rides has to do with story. And so um, that's, and, and obviously space logistics as well. So that's some of the, the main differences. Um, the queuing areas um, are different as well. Um, at Walt Disney World, um, they, I think, looking at all of them, they have the most striking queuing area. It's, it's, it's beautiful and it's unique. Um, and again, more spacious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, while you're on the rapids, you know, you're going through some really unique areas as well. So it's, uh, it's more, I see more nature in mm. the one at Walt Disney World. Um, although I can't say I know, I think they're different. I think it's just a different style of nature. Yeah. The one at Walt Disney World is kind of more, 
jungle. Right. Type, uh, whereas at uh, Disneyland, it's kind of like going through, I don't know, the Rocky Mountains right. or uh, somewhere in the California, the Sierra Nevada or whatever, because it's Disney California Adventure. Right, you know, so. right. Well, you actually captured it. That was the essence that they were they were really going for was kind of the golden age of national parks mm-hmm. here in California. And so that it does have that different essence in that regards. Um, so, yeah, I see your point. I see your point. Um, and then they have one... Um, so the one at Disneyland, though, has a different name. It's uh, Grizzly... Grizz- easy for you to say. No, apparently it isn't. <laughs> Grizzly River Run. Yeah, it's not an easy one to say. You <laughs> yeah. understand that. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so, you know, like you mentioned, it has that flavor, that essence of, you know, the the national parks here in right. California. Yeah, a lot of pine trees that they have. Right. Uh, some of the um, geysers and such that when you go through it, mm-hmm. there's geysers on the side and everything. So it's right. really, it's cool. It's yeah. cool. And it's cool just to sit and watch it go by as, as you can just kind of take a, take a uh, second and lean on the rail and kind of watch right. uh, the, the rafts go by and see everybody get drenched. It's really fun. <laughs> yes. You're not getting as drenched yourself. I know. Really fun watching them. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Shanghai Disney also has a river rapids mm. uh theirs is calling roar theirs is called roaring rapids mm. um and so that one's more of like you're invited to join an expedition mm. through the the rapids um and it's uh has a very interesting element to it it has a beast it's it's kind of like a cross between a crocodile and a dragon mm. and What's really amazing is when you're in the area where the beast is, the beast's head like comes right to the raft. <laughs> I mean, it's in, it's intense looking, wow. you know. So I, I think that's one of the things that makes the one at Shanghai really unique is 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 that yeah, element that aspect, to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in looking at all three of them, one of the other elements that I that I found to be unique is at um, Disneyland in California here and at Shanghai, the walls along the sides are are pretty high and you know defined. It, it, to me, it's more canal looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the one at Walt Disney World, you do have some areas with walls, but a lot of that is just. It's just um, at the water level or maybe a foot tall or what. And it just seems more open. Mm. And I think it gives you a different element of, you know, really being in the rapids mm. in the one at Walt Disney World because of that. Oh, interesting. It's been so long since we've moved in. Last time we did Kali River Rapids, we just walked off there just absolutely head to toe drenched. <laughs> I know. And so it's been hard to go back and do it again since then because we always, oh, we got stuff going on. We want right. to go to Nomad Lounge if we're at Disney's Animal Kingdom Park. And so it's tough to say, oh, yeah, let's true, go and take a chance. We might get absolutely <laughs> soaked. Or um, just being better prepared, having ponchos or yeah. whatever. And well, what's you know. the fun in that? <laughs> we'll get wet, get wet. That's true. That's true. So, again, I think um, this ride, the River Rapids rides, are very different among the three mm-hmm. parks. So if, you know, you go to one, you'll have a totally different experience on the other ones. Yeah. So interesting, you know, and again, I'm just, you know, obviously there's not a lot of detail in this one. I didn't want to be a history lesson, but maybe some things to look for when you're on it or having some fun facts and know how you can appreciate them at different parks. Very, very cool. Yeah. Like it. Well, thank you. Like the River Rapids, uh, like I said, I don't like getting completely soaked, which is the biggest issue with them. That's why we don't do them as often as maybe we could. 
Uh, but they are still, every time we've been on them, they have been fun. For right. Sure. Although you can bring a change of clothes. You can use yeah. the locker. Oh, yeah. or something. there are ways to, to address it, but I don't disagree with you. We haven't tended to um, use that. Although uh, the other thing too, when you're in Florida, you, you might get drenched in That's true. thunderstorms. That's true. It's actually the best <laughs> time to do it. You're like, oh, there's about to be a storm coming. Right. Might as well just get soaked anyway, because you're about to get in it. That's true. As long comes. as it's not a thunderstorm, you don't want to get That's struck true. by lightning. That's right. true. So, um, so, okay, let's move on then to Pirates of the Caribbean. Ah, my favorite. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, the OG on this one was at Walt, at Disneyland. And it was actually one of the last attractions that Walt actually was partaking in the design and overseeing right. of. So it opened just actually like three months after he passed away. Um, but, you know, he really was involved in that. And uh, so now let's talk about that boat. Right. And so, uh, as we mentioned, um, Small World was developed for the World's Fair and as a boat ride. And the original uh, design process for Pirates of the Caribbean was to be like a wax museum walkthrough. Right. You know, and um, and it was... Kind of a, just a tribute to pirates. Right, you know, yeah. right. And so um, they, they were moving forward with that, but then with the success of It's a Small World, it was decided, hey, we got to scrap that walkthrough and make it a boat ride and have used that design in other attractions since then. Yeah, uh, the flat bottom boats, uh, you'll see them all over the place at Disney and uh, other theme parks as well now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the flat bottom boats, they were able to put a lot of people in at one time right. and take them through an attraction. They're, they, they can load them um, quickly and you can move the queues through pretty fast right. and everything. And it, it was uh, the development of that, thanks to It's a Small World, um, created. Just think about it. Just think about all the attractions when you're going through uh, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, whatever the case may be, that have that same a similar style right. of boat. Um, they all started with It's a Small World, and they've been very functional throughout and very successful. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and not like you said, not just here, but I mean, not just at Disney parks, but at other parks as mm -hmm. well. So um, now at the uh, Disneyland version, they do have a restaurant, the Blue Bayou. It's kind of like a southern Creole yeah, kind of, kind of, kind um, of an upscale-ish right. restaurant on the water that mm -hmm. looks out at the the bayou there, the little bayou scene that you get at uh, the Disneyland Park. You don't get it at the Walt Disney World right. uh, Resort at Magic Kingdom, but you do get it at Disneyland, which is a, it's a, just a cool little preamble until you get into the Pirates right. area, but it just looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like a bayou with some people in some, you know, kind of wooden shacks there on it, lightning bugs right. around and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that one... Um, to me, it's it's kind of a cool, like, eerie feel right. to it, the way the music is playing and everything. It's already, you know, one, it gets your eyes acclimated to being in mm -hmm. a dark area, but it also just starts setting that anticipation that something's going to be happening yeah. here, you know, and uh, so that that's pretty cool. Now, the, um, the Jungle Cruise, no, we're talking pirates here. <laughs> Sorry, my mind is just cluttered. There's so many. <laughs> Too many facts yeah. to hold in. Well, you got the Jungle Cruise shirt on. We got That's the Jungle true. Cruise book here. Right. I can't imagine why you have Jungle Cruise I on know, the brain. I know. I did think about wearing my pirate's costume, but. <laughs> <laughs> that picture did go up, by the way, oh, on the no. video. That played the picture of both of us in our pirate costumes. Oh, man. As requested. Oh, 
brutal. No, you look great always. I'm the one that's brutal. No, you no, always you look, look great. You definitely look like a great pirate. Yeah. So anyways, on the Pirates of Caribbean at Tokyo Disneyland, it is very much like the one at Disneyland in California. That's one of the few attractions that ha- are in different locations that I would say, I'm not saying it's exactly identical but it's pretty close yeah it has that same opening scene with the the shack and the banjo being played Mm -hmm. and they also have a blue bayou restaurant there as well so they did take very much a lot of the essence total essence of the one from disneyland Mm -hmm. but at walt disney world it isn't the same you know and um that is one thing that i do miss from Disneyland is that opening scene because I like I said I think it really sets the tone of you know being a little bit more anticipation of some excitement to come on yeah I'm so uh, the the Disneyland attraction is a longer uh, boat ride um, and I'm just so used to it the way it is that it always throws me off when I go to Walt Disney World (laughs) because things aren't in the same order at Walt Disney World as they are at Disneyland and I'm just so used to I've grown up from doing Pirates of the Caribbean right. for my entire life. Um, we, you know, Obviously, there have been some changes, as we talked about, with Jack Sparrow being added or right. whatever, but it's mostly the same attraction all the way through. And so whenever we go to Walt Disney World and we go on it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah I got to change my right. view because things are just slightly different when we... Exactly. Actually, more than slightly different. It's quite a bit different. Right, right. So um, now at Walt Disney World, the queuing area is is a lot more expanded and more interesting looking. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. the one at, at Disneyland in California is just functional. It's yeah, just kind of it's, a, it's outside, mostly outside the right. building. Um, if you ever wanted to know where the dream suite is at Disneyland. If you've never been to Disneyland, it's right above Pirates of the right. Caribbean. You can see the staircases leading up everywhere um, right there as you're going through the queue and such. Um, actually, there's very little time spent within the building right. itself at Disneyland. Right. Uh, so it, he, on a hot day, it can be tough to be <laughs> in the, right. the Disneyland version of the queue. For true, sure. true. But yeah, the one at Walt Disney World, you're you know more in a cave, and mm-hmm. you know it just has uh, maybe that's where it's setting the tone, getting your eyes acclimated right. and setting the tone for the anticipation because it's you know you're going through and seeing dark scenes and yeah. things like as that. as is true with most of the queues at Walt Disney World, right. they have the more almost always the more interesting cues at Walt Disney World than they do at Disneyland. Themselves. Right. Because they most of them are indoors. They're trying to get you out of the elements, the, the hot weather, the rain, the mm-hmm. thunderstorms, whatever the case may be. It's necessary to be indoors much more often at Walt Disney World right. than it is at Disneyland because right. the, the weather tends to be a little bit more temperate. Yes. So uh, the other interesting thing about the one at Walt Disney World is it actually wasn't in the original plans to be an attraction at in Florida, mm-hmm. you know, um, the the company really felt that Florida already had some attractions in the in the state that relate to pirates, mm-hmm. and because of its close proximity to the Caribbean, they didn't feel like it would be as unique or you know um, interesting to people who live in that area. Yeah, it wouldn't be a particular draw because they can go to a hundred places to right. one visit the Caribbean, right? But two, I mean, they're right in the Caribbean. Yes. Or to visit other museums devoted to pirates. Right. You know, and some cities have like um, annual festivals Mm -hmm. and things like that related to pirates. And so, yeah, they just didn't see it. But uh, people really were clamoring that they wanted a Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, they go to Magic Kingdom. We're like, you know, where's, we've seen all these things about Pirates of the Caribbean. Where is it? Why isn't it here? You know, why is it only in Disneyland? So actually they had to uh, bring it to Walt Disney World as well. Exactly. 
So now they also have a Pirates at Disneyland Paris, mm-hmm. and um, it has a more elaborate queuing. Just you know, you know, kind of like on the idea of the one at Walt Disney World. Um, and when you first board, there's also an expanded area, but it's not like the one at Disneyland. So um, again, here's a, an attraction that you can have a totally different experience. It has a different level of um, anticipation. It's more um, sounds that mm-hmm. you're hearing, you know, um, you, you hear sword fights and screaming mm-hmm. and things <laughs> like that before you actually, you know, get to the drop and everything. So it is kind of a unique way of, of doing the same kind of ride. But again, it, it does have a lot of the same elements. They may just, like you said, um, in comparing the ones in the United States, just a different order right. of where they have some of these scenes. They do also have a restaurant there right with on the path. Right. So tell us about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, as opposed to what you experience at uh, Disneyland, where the Blue Bayou restaurant is at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, of the attraction. This is kind of in the middle of it. And you'll kind of come out of this cave and the boat will go by and then there's this restaurant right there. Um, and the people come out mm-hmm. to see you and they go back in right. within the attraction itself. But the funny thing about the first time we ever uh, went on to, to eat at that restaurant is we were there and we had a waterside table, which if you're ever doing the Blue Bayou or any of these restaurants, um, wait if you can mm-hmm. uh, for a waterside <laughs> table. It's just so much better of an experience. Otherwise, it's just pretty much a regular restaurant you right know? i mean but it's not when you're there on the water it you you get more of that ambiance that exactly. pirates of the caribbean ambiance uh but we'd be there and then these boats would come by and they'd they'd see us there and they would all say you know uh bon bonjour yeah. bon appetit, bon appetit. Yeah, it was like so <laughs> many times and it was just kind of the it, it was this wonderful addition to the right. experience of eating in this restaurant next to pirates of the caribbean exactly i can't echo that enough and you know like you said the element of asking for uh you know and waiting for a waterside table and um they were very accommodating to us actually both times we've done mm-hmm. that uh that restaurant we've eaten there and uh, the food is you know you're in you're in france they do it's really pay attention to it uh, you can get you know alcoholic beverages you can have a nice wine with that um they have a very adventurous dessert that i don't think we'd ever <laughs> see in this country it's a creme brulee that's on fire where the flame is like two feet tall yes on it it's it really is oh no way the fire marshal lets that fly in i the know US. No i way. know <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's just like you said it's a fun experience of dining you're in part of the attraction so you have that theming but you also have the interactions with guests who are on the attraction. Mm-hmm. It is so fun. It does make it. It elevates the experience for sure. Right, right. So um, the one in Disneyland Paris is bilingual. Um, throughout the ride, the pirate song, though, is only in English. So you, you hear that. But they, I think they do a nice compliment of having some conversations even like with Jack Sparrow he'll speak English and then he'll be speaking French and then English and French so you know and throughout the ride you can hear some of the pirates you know bilingual so it it, you know it's a nice experience no matter Mm -hmm. you know which language you prefer yeah so who knew that uh, he was uh, Jack Sparrow was such a bon vivant (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) (laughs) all right
right. So the other location in the globe that has a Pirates of the Caribbean ride at a Disney park is Shanghai Disney. Um, and they actually have a different name. It's, it's Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure. Mm. And their theming is very much more that of the movie films. Mm. You know, and so scenes and characters are much more related to the movie theme than the original. Um, but the other elements of it is technology. Now, although Disney Imagineering designed the ride, they incorporated the assistance from ILM to design the um, technology features. And they are amazing. Yeah, if amazing. you've ever seen a ride through of the uh, Shanghai version of Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. it's it's not like any other Pirates no, of the Caribbean you've no, ever seen. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's pretty. I that is like an attraction that is on my bucket list of things right. to try. Right. Hopefully, we get there to Shanghai Disney at yes. some point. But uh, if nothing else, no, for nothing else, just to get on that. Right. Yeah. The other uh, technology used different in this ride is with the boats. The boats actually have a special. Pr um, propulsion system so that they don't just go in one direction they can turn them they can move them side to side so they synchronize the boat activity with what's going on wow. in the storyline so it's a it's a much more immersive experience yeah, at say. shanghai for their incredible. pirates of the caribbean yeah so um but the one thing that you can look forward to is still having the uh the the dog holding the key <laughs> Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they didn't want to take that away from you. It's classic. Um, right, right. Um, they also have an eatery there. However, it's a quick service. It's mm. called Barbosa's Bounty. Or, mm. so, Barbosa's Bounty. Bounty. So it's a quick service. Um, but they did incorporate, you know, an eatery in, within the, the area of the, that attraction as well. Cool. Yeah. 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 Someday we're going to get to those Asian parks and be able to check some of this stuff out. For right, sure. right. So that was a recap of, you know, five of the water-based attractions that can be found throughout the globe. Uh, there are some other water attractions that are unique to maybe one or just two parks um, that I thought we could just kind of touch on. Okay. Um, so starting at Walt Disney World, things like Living with the Land. Of course. At Epcot is a really great water attraction. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has a much unique to Epcot area theme that you wouldn't see replicated in any other parks. One of our favorites. We got yes. it. That's another attraction we need to hit on every time we right. go to Epcot. It's, uh, you know, at least once. Right. You know, it's, uh, love living with the land. Definitely. And yeah. I love that they do have a seasonal overlay at yeah. the holidays as well. It's yeah. really cute. Yeah. Um, and that's another also ride, at, especially at night, has a different ambiance uh -huh. to it that you can experience. Um, also at Walt Disney World at Animal Kingdom, the Navi River. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a very unique attraction, you know, obviously incorporating Avatar film, mm -hmm. you know, layout and theming yeah. and, and things like that. So that's also unique. Yeah, and the amazing uh, audio animatronic of the uh, the shaman. Um, right. Is, uh, so high, just, high tech. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, Really, really good. It looks almost lifelike, like really right. lifelike. Any other ones in the U.S. that you wanted to kind of touch well, on? Well, as we all know, 
Hashtag real men love Frozen. <laughs> you know, Frozen ever after within the <laughs> Norway Pavilion. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people love Maelstrom. You right. know, and I don't blame you. It was a great attraction, but I, I I'm a Frozen. I love Frozen. You right. know, as I've said many times. <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed that. And of course, the Grand Fiesta Tour yes. over in Mexico yeah. is another great water-based attraction. That's a, a fun ride. I know. As just, well. yeah. it's, again, it's one of those quirky ones that we yeah. just never seem to miss. It. I mean, it's short and. You're really, it's in a cool area. Usually it's a walk on too, <laughs> yes. so that helps. <laughs> so that's kind of kind of neat. So definitely uh, Splash Mountain, which is also mm-hmm. at, at various parks, and that's getting ready to be reimagined right. into other theming. So we're excited about that. For sure. Uh, Canal Boats. Yeah. Uh, which also we have, that, that is also not just at Disneyland in California, but at Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, Paris as right. well. Uh, how about the, uh, well, it's the submarines. It used to be 20,000 right. Leagues Under the Sea, but now it's the submarines with Nemo and Friends, right. which is uh, within the Disneyland Park, which is, um, again, another attraction that in d- different forms I have grown up with throughout my life and is always a nice cooling, and although it can be a little claustrophobic, <laughs> uh, but it, it is nice cooling and, and you know, fun and, you know, old school attraction right. that's been through, even though they've updated it and changed it a bit, uh, it still is I still like the submarines as long as they still exist. We don't know how long they're going to last. Right. There's always talk about the submarines are eventually going to go away. Uh, but for now, um, take advantage of it and do that if you ever right. get to Disneyland. Although that that attraction still seems to draw a crowd. You know, yeah. I'm not saying it's always like super busy, but it's consistently. Yeah. I don't know about right now. I don't think. Well, yeah. Because that opens that that attraction will be one of the ones that will be opening. Right. Currently. Yeah. No. Um, but distancing and. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. There, there is a submarine attraction called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea at Disney Sea in Tokyo. However, that isn't technically water-based. It is the technology. It looks mm-hmm. like you're in the water. So we, we didn't include that. And there is like a, a 20,000 Leagues museum in Disneyland mm-hmm. Paris where you kind of go into uh, you know the, into the Nautilus right. you know, and it's kind of a museum and there's some interesting theming around it and stuff that's kind of yeah, cool. You, right. You get to see a lot of the scenes from the film of what right. the Nautilus look like. But it's not an attraction. Well, it is an attraction because you can go right. in there and check it out but it's not really a ride. Right. Per se, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, another interesting attraction though at Tokyo Disney Sea is the Aquatopia. Hmm. You know, instead of Autopia, it's yeah. Aquatopia. Um, and so that one, it's it's the best way I could describe it. It's either a really mild, you could think of it as a real mild river run because it's not a rapids at mm-hmm. all. Um, to me, it's more like um, Snow White's Scary Adventure, except outside in <laughs> wow. top of water. You know, it's just you're 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 on that that boat that's kind of like the rapids boats, but um, it's just, you know, kind of guiding you. Guiding through a story kind of, of some funny, sort. Kind of funny, like twists and turns and yeah. stuff. And it's just, it's out in the open. You know, it's cute. It's cute. There used to be an, in uh, Disneyland, uh, there used to be an area kind of near where the Autopia is now that used to be, and I don't recall the name of it. So, you know, please help me out if mm-hmm. you want, if you want to email us or whatever, or hit us up on social media. But there was, and there were boats that you would drive similar to as driving the Autopia, oh, yeah. you know, and they, would, they were on the tracks. So you would never, you know, go too far but right. was, there were boats through this area that was kind of in, in around Fantasyland kind of near Small World is mm. where it was so but, mm, interesting have yeah. to check it out yeah yeah uh, and you know another one that I wanted to bring up uh, that is unique is the Venetian gondolas 
where else? Tokyo Disney Sea. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they do have a Mediterranean. Well, I be? know, right? They do have a Mediterranean area there. So, and you know, it's very much a replica of what you would see, um, you know, if you were to actually take a cruise uh, in the Mediterranean, Venice, and have the gondolas. Um, the interesting thing is, though, that the the gondoliers they will speak in Japanese, but they sing in Italian. On the <laughs> That's got to be interesting. I know, I know, I know. So, I mean, uh, the looks of it is very much um, to me like in Vegas when you go to the Venetian. Venetian yeah. yeah, and you can have so, some areas there that go by some buildings and things mm-hmm. like that. So, but I thought that was kind of unique having that at a Disney park and, yeah. you know, especially one that was, you know, in Tokyo. Right. So, cool. um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you've named the other ones that I was thinking of, and I think we've captured pretty much all the... I think we've captured many of them. I'm sure there's others. I mean, of course, there's the rafts that go mm-hmm. just to and from Tom Sawyer's right. Island, and uh, there's the Columbia sailing ship, which right. is kind of a great uh, big tall True. ship that uh, also sails around the rivers of America at Disneyland. Right. That's right. another one. Canoes. Yeah, the can- oh, we, we still have to do. We still have to do the canoes at <laughs> Disneyland at some point. We keep talking about it. We just never do it. We're always like, oh... We can't do it today, but next time we yeah, have to go I know, try that. Exactly. We just never get around to it. We have to do that for sure. I mean, I done it. I did it when I was really young, but I, I don't think you've ever done it. Um, I, I'm trying to remember no, when they had it, it together. At, right. We haven't done it together. I'm trying to think when they had it at Walt Disney World. I feel like I might have done it, but maybe not. Maybe I just, maybe, you know, like my brother did it or something. Yeah. I just remember cool. it through, through him. Yeah. Very good. So anyways, yeah, thank you. Uh, Again, didn't want to make it a history lesson, just mainly more. What are some things to watch for? Right. And some things maybe to look forward to when you can get to some of these other parks that you've never been there. Maybe you've never been to the Walt Disney World Resort. Maybe you've never been to the Disneyland Resort. Maybe you've never been to Disneyland Paris or any of the Asian Disney parks. Um, Some great water-based attractions that you can look forward to. Some that would be a little bit familiar to you. Some that may not be or may look different right uh, but that's a great dive into it thank you michelle well, thank you thank you so and if there's some stuff we left off please hit us up on uh through our email account or on social media mm-hmm. we'd love to know what uh, other attractions that we may have uh, forgotten or what are your favorite uh water-based attractions at uh, the disney parks yes so well thank you for allowing me to kind of fumble through this again <laughs> i had a lot of information in my head <laughs> that now i can just release now and you can let, just it relax. let it go let it go let it go. I did that for you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that always. Uh, that's a great look. Thank you, Michelle, for another deep dive, this time into Disney water-based attractions. So again, Michelle... She always does a great job with this stuff, so Aww. hopefully you enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. The last stuff I didn't know. Oh, good, good. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it, you know, and get something out of it. I definitely <laughs> did. I definitely did. I so want to get to boring. some of these other parks that we've never been to. Not at all. Not one bit. But uh, speaking of boring, let's get to the Disney stories of the week. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, we have some interesting stories for you this week. And I'm going to start with the fact that the Primetime Emmy Awards Uh, The nominations were announced this week, and uh, Disney projects were listed throughout. Yes, this from a Walt Disney Company press release. Nominees for the 2020 Primetime Emmy Awards were announced Tuesday by the Television Academy, with the Walt Disney Company receiving 
145 wow. nominations. Yeah. Uh, the impressive total includes 47 nominations for uh, Disney Television Studios, 36 for ABC, 33 for FX, 26 for Hulu, 19 for Disney Plus in its first showing up. Wow. Is, yeah. Uh, nine for National Geographic, three for ESPN, and one for the Disney Channel. Now, if you do the math of that, that may sound like a lot more than actually 145. <laughs> That's because some of those were crossovers. I'm sure National Geographic and Disney Plus or whatever oh, yeah, right. uh, were on both platforms or whatever. But just to let you know. Um, so uh, how it breaks down a little bit is Disney Plus and Lucasfilm Limited's The Mandalorian mm. is Disney's most nominated a title for 2020 which wow. if we if you've watched it which i think most of you have uh you you can see why yeah uh, it's, it's really impressive uh, yeah it's amazing. Uh, uh, so it is among the contenders for the outstanding drama series wow. as well so uh good for the yes. mandalorian it's, it's well exciting. deserved Looking forward these to nominations for yeah, sure season two coming up soon yeah. uh other things uh, also nominated for outstanding drama series is hulu's the handmaid's tale interesting that that's a disney property right. now, but it is it's on the it's on hulu which is Owned by Disney, right? so yeah. Uh, that received 10 nominations in all, including Outstanding Supporting Actress for Samira Wiley and Outstanding Supporting Actor for Bradley Whitford, as did uh, FX Networks and FXP's Mrs. America, uh, which is as an FX on Hulu uh, original earned nods for Outstanding Limited Series, Outstanding Lead Actress for Kate Blanchett, and Outstanding Supporting nice. Actress for Zudu Aduba, uh, Margot Martindale and Tracy Ullman, among others. Wow. Yeah. Uh, just going through, I'm not going to go through all of the nominations because there's so many, <laughs> but I wanted to get through a couple more interesting ones. Uh, Forky Ask a Question Yay! for Disney Plus got one nomination for Outstanding <laughs> Short Form Animated Program. Uh, the Imagineering Story on Disney Plus got one nomination for Outstanding Narrator for Angela Bassett. Wow. Uh, Star Wars Resistance. Uh, from Disney Yay! Channel and Lucasfilm Animation got one nomination for Outstanding Children's Program. And The World According to Jeff Goldblum on Disney <laughs> Plus got yeah. one nomination for Outstanding Hosted Nonfiction Series or Special. So really cool. Uh, there's a lot more, but I'm just not going to go through every single thing that's out there. Right. But uh, I'm sure you can find them for yourself if you really wanted to. But glad to see Disney uh, doing so well. Yes, that's impressive and amazing and very, very happy about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. So speaking of Disney and uh, Pixar, for that matter, they announced a new film kind of out of the blue this week. <laughs> uh, this from Variety.com. On Thursday, Pixar announced its next original animated movie will be called Luca. It's a coming-of-age adventure set in Italy. Uh, Enrico Casarosa, who also uh, directed La Luna, who, if you know the Disney oh, short nice. La Luna, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful, yes. beautiful uh, Pixar short. Excuse me, Pixar short. Uh, it, he's directing the film, and it's expected to uh, open on the big screen. Whatever big screen is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on June 18th of 2021. So, you know, uh, Soul, which is the Pixar movie that's actually supposed to have already been out, right. um, has been pushed back to around Thanksgiving time for mm -hmm. right now. Hopefully it stays on the calendar <laughs> that we'll see. Um, but that's the next film. And then the one coming out after this is this one. Now, Luca centers on a young boy living on the Italian Riviera who shares adventures with his newfound best friend, but a darker secret about his true identity, he is a sea monster. 
from another world just below the water surface seeks to threaten the bond. So kind oh, of wow. interesting, intriguing concept there. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. Oh, cool. Yeah, sounds really intriguing. Yeah. So uh, Casa Rosa, talking about the film in a statement, said, quote, this is a deeply personal story for me, not only because it's set on the Italian Riviera where I grew up, wow. but because at the core of this film is a celebration of friendship. Childhood friendships often set the course of who we want to become, and it is those bonds that are at the heart of our story in Luca. So in addition to the beauty and charm of the Italian seaside, our film will feature an unforgettable summer adventure that will fundamentally change Luca, end quote. So oh, sounds great. It does sound awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, Pixar wait. almost always has the brings the hearts. I'm oh, sure I know. a tear or two here or there for me. <laughs> or, yeah. So. Uh, the voice cast is yet to have been announced for it, but I'm sure they've already, I mean, if it's coming out next summer, it's it, most of it, is, they, they, they exist. They're out there. Right. You know? so right. We'll, we'll probably find that out pretty soon. Cool. So. That's it for my Disney stories the week. However, uh, Michelle's been telling me that she has a Disney story of the week. We all know Michelle has the best stories. So let's get to Michelle's Disney story. Oh, well, of the thank week. you. And I'm going to have to read it because there's some big words. I just read everything. I, I, of know. Course you did. I just did that the same thing. No, no. So this is more just of an announcement that came out okay. from Star Wars. Uh, some new updates on the uh, the virtual reality game Tales from the Galaxy's Edge story. Right. The one I want really badly. Yes. 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 So um, they, they gave some some hints about this. I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of them were pretty in, intriguing and fun. So first of all, is you have a job to do on Batu. Um You actually play a droid repair technician who crash lands on Batu, and after a pirate attack. <laughs> Hondo. <laughs> I know, right? And so, um, you know, you're going to find yourself uh, to get work and, and have a job. And one of the places you actually find yourself in is Sezelslak Cantina. Wow. Which is going to be uh, next to Olga's. And it's actually going to be, you know, a competitor. Wow, a competing I'm cantina competing to Oga. Can- Oga's not going to be very happy no, about that. No, no, no. Uh, Bobby Moynihan oh. uh, is going to to play the voice of Cezelek. Yes, um, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. <laughs> Whatever you say, I believe because I, I you know, until it's announced to us, until right, we actually right. hear it spoken by somebody, um, whatever you say is is going to be perfectly good. Right. So he is a, a Azulmel bartender. And he's really into storytelling, apparently. And, you know, it's going to be kind of bending your ear with his stories and, and legendary tales <laughs> when you go into his cantina. Cool. Um, and he's going to have a central, uh, be central to the main story and give you your missions. So Very cool. Uh, the other thing is you are going to be able to um, get into some battles yourself. So uh, battling pirates and obviously with some of your missions, you're going to have the opportunity um, to have some other battles and it's just going to have some uh, additional, you know, ways to experience and learn about Batu and Black Spires and, you know, hang out with everybody there. Yes. Porgs and... 
<laughs> Hanging out with the porgs. <laughs> but there are also sure. some interesting characters, and you know, uh, you can go to starwars.com and get more into information yeah. about this. But I thought it was a really interesting announcement of giving us a little bit more tease on what this virtual reality uh, game yeah. is going to be involving, and it, it sounds like it's going to be a blast. Yeah, like I've been, I've been pushing off trying to, you know, getting one of these VR sets at Oculus mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, because. Yeah, I, I like playing my video games, but I just didn't know if I wanted to be completely sh- that shut out to the world. Right. And I still don't know if I want to, but uh, between this and Vader Immortal, which I've heard is great as mm-hmm. well, um, there's some Star Wars stuff and some other things that are coming out and now it's selling more and more than maybe is something I'm going to have to eventually invest in. Because, right. Uh, just cool sounding stuff and more in depth into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and the planet of Batuu. Right. I mean, I know that um, the Disney company is really trying to, you know, get a, a, a new, better connection with guests going to Galaxy's Edge because even though it is an immersive experience and it does have the ambiance of Star Wars universe, there isn't as, as much maybe of the connection with characters that have been seen throughout the films Mm -hmm. and so I think there you know this is a good effort to really start having people connect with that universe in another platform so that then when they do go experience the real Batu, that they can have that other uh, connection that's already established good point yeah I mean I I love Star Wars Galaxy said just the way it is, but I have no problem with uh, delving more into the story. I know there's also some comics and some books right. that, that can get you more involved into sure. what is uh, there at Black Spire Outpost right, as well. Right. So, very cool. So. Michelle's stories, always the mm. best stories. <laughs> Speaking of the best, let's get to our tips of the week. Every week we try and give you some sort of tips that might help you on your next vacation, whether it be to the Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Resort, Disney Cruise, whatever the case may be. And just like Michelle always has the best stories, she also has the very best tip so let's get to it here is michelle's tip of the week so my tip is actually uh going to be kind of like a precursor to next week's episode topic so um one of the things you know with going to the parks now and they really are uh, emphasizing a um cashless pay system is that now you can use gift cards for mobile orders So using the My Disney Experience app, uh, you can place your mobile order and then you can uh, select, even though it might have already, you know, you might default to your credit card, but you can choose to put in your gift card number and then use that as a form of payment. And, And although you can't associate a gift card with a magic band, Uh, Again, with the Disney app, when you're making that payment option, you can add the gift card. So that's kind of a nice feature, I think, that they've incorporated there. Yeah, as much as they want to make sure they're trying to do as little uh, cash transactions Mm -hmm. as possible, trying to eliminate them as much. So if you do, if you're for either you don't have a credit card or if you're trying to limit your spending or you just, you know, don't like your credit card number being out there. Or like you might have been given a gift. Like we have gift cards that we've received and yeah. Sure. But what I'm saying, you know, is like, you know, and so maybe all you have is cash to spend or all oh, you want right. to do is spend cash. That they, they, What they'll suggest to you is to go to one of the shops, uh, purchase a gift mm-hmm. card. So it's right. just a one-time transaction, not multiple.
multiple transactions. True. And then you use that and you can use it through the app now, which is good news right. as far as and mobile ordering is always the best thing anyway. Yeah. So, uh, definitely. So great. Yep. Tip. Little tip. But Michelle's tip. Even a little tip. Always <laughs> the best tip. Uh, my tip. Well, uh, I actually think this is a pretty good tip because, uh, you know, our really wonderful and special friends, Rob and Kim LaBerry, uh-huh. started a podcast, oh. a Disney podcast right. just this week. My tip this week is for you to check this out. <laughs> They're called the Hoopty Duo Review. Uh, they do, they, their first episode was an excellent Very uh, show. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Really great for the first time out. You get to learn about who Rob and Kim are. And then they go and explore their namesake, the Hoopty Doo Review. Right. They've done it many times. They know all the ins and outs of it. They know what to expect when it, when it comes back. Right. And you can go and enjoy it again. And they go through it all so you know what to expect or how you can enjoy it better, even if you've done it before. Exactly. And why you might want to do it. I know uh, I'm excited, to hopefully, when we get to see them in February to go do that right. with them. Yes. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. So, And also, they happen to go through... The, the hip parade of our best <laughs> tips as well. They have a little fun with a little homage to us. Yeah, thank you. Uh, look up, uh, take a nap, uh, hydrate. Uh, thank you, Kim. Uh, we love you too. Right. Uh, that, was a, that was a great little homage to us. That yeah, they that through there. But sweet. it's uh, it's another, if you like Disney podcasts and you like some people that kind of are in the know, they're very, uh, they're one, they're wonderful people, but right. also they know their stuff. Um, definitely add this, subscribe to them and add it to your regular playlist of, of podcasts to listen to when they, I think they're going to do it. I think they said they're going to do it bi-weekly, but um, definitely check them out. For yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, and although they're going to, it sounds like they'll be focusing on Disney, they will incorporate some other theme parks. And in fact, their next episode is going to be talking about another location that they get to visit this summer. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, let you listen to their episode. If you've watched our, listened to our shows, you know that uh, they went to a different theme park uh, because the fact that Disney world wasn't open and they'll explain a little bit of that on their next episode, but it's a great show. Check it it out for sure. And that's my tip. Great job. So, That's it for this week. Next week, as Michelle alluded to already, uh, (laughs) we're taking a look at the quick service restaurants in the parks. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we're going to share our favorites. Yep. It's a five Five favorite favorite. quick (laughs) Disney quick service restaurants episode. And of course, we're going to want your input. Yeah. We'll send it out through the newsletter later on in the week. We'll send it out through social media. And we want you to be a part of the show as well to find out your favorite quick service restaurants. uh, We appreciate you joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. Over the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Yes, please sign up for the newsletter like i said we're going to put out the uh you know call for your five favorite quick service disney restaurants this week but also we are going to put it out to you first for the first uh category for nominations for the hyperion adventures disney hall of fame if you're signed up for the newsletter you will be the first to receive that information yeah as well as some other right really useful and fun information we'd like to think it's useful (laughs) hopefully you are (laughs) that you subscribe to it that you find it useful as well Uh, another hopeful place that we're useful as well is out on social media we have a great time on social media with a lot of disney colleagues and just a lot of friends and 
and listeners. Uh, and we'd like to, you to be a part of that. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. We do have a YouTube channel. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube right now. If you want to find us on YouTube, just do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Our logo should come up there. You know, just hit subscribe. And whenever we have a new video, you will be the first to know. Yeah. And, of course, you can always contact us for any reason through our Gmail account at HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. Right. And, we, again, we do love hearing from you. Any feedback is always welcomed or ideas or questions. And another thing that uh, gives us feedback is reviews. And if you have an opportunity, if you haven't done so yet, to do a review or star rating, that really helps us get to know what's what people like about the podcast, and it also helps others find our podcast. Yeah, there's some sort of weird algorithm thing that helps people find when they're <laughs> looking for Disney podcasts. And the more five-star reviews or better reviews that right. we get, it helps people find them. But, but again, like Michelle alluded to, we kind of want to know how we're doing that you're enjoying the show as well. So either do it that way or, you know, maybe, you know, if you don't want to give us a less than five star review, you know, but you want us to know how to do better, email us, you know, let us know what you think we could work on. And we'd appreciate that, too. We like constructive criticism. Definitely. uh, We'd appreciate that as well, because we want this to be the best possible podcast it can be. So please let us know uh, if we're doing a job or if there's things we could work on. I couldn't agree more. That's it. Thank you for listening to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time again with you next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.